same as the eight o'clock. It's funny how even sitting here, our minds, you know, think ahead to where am I going to eat? What are we doing this afternoon? You know, to be still and know that he is God. We know the Bible teaches that, but let's be honest, easier said than done, right? Uh, I'm, I'm a lot more quick to be still and know that I'm stressed. That happens a lot. Or to be still and know that I'm scared. Happens a lot. Be still and know that I'm discouraged. That can happen. But the promise of that passage of Psalm 4610 is to be still. And in the moment of that rest, to recognize the God that we serve. I want to thank you guys for your prayers and just your encouragement. Uh, My dad had his uh, surgery on Monday, this past Monday, open heart surgery. They did a couple of different things. Uh, It's been a long week. He's had a hard week. They went back on Friday and um, put a pacemaker in as well. And so they're still trying to uh, get the rhythm of his heart to, um, you know, to, to, to kind of talk to one another. That's the way that they've communicated it to us, that the two sides talk to one another. Um, and so we're just continuing to pray. He's still in the hospital, and so we're just continuing to pray for uh, God's provisions and, and his hand up, upon my father. And uh, already, you know, you just you see the Lord in the details. You really do. And I know many of you have walked through these seasons. Many of you are in this season. You, you see the Lord work kind of in the details of things. And we've seen that all week. You know, we've seen that all week. We're just looking little things where the Holy Spirit was just a great uh, reminder of the presence of the Lord, um, you know, through this. Uh, I think it was Thursday. I'm not sure my days are all kind of running together. It's, it's been one of those weeks where you look at each other and you go, what day is it? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just been one of those weeks. And I think it was Thursday. Uh, the lady was bringing in uh, his dinner. And so dad and I were sitting in there. I think it was Thursday night because of the Redskins play. Thursday night? Oh, they look good, didn't they? Anyway, so Thursday night, so I think it was the football game, and so we're sitting there, and they bring in the food, and uh, she's singing just praise songs, like just singing Jesus, just singing about Jesus. Don't know us or anything. She's just singing about Jesus. And I said, girl, you better be careful. I said, you're in the room with two pastors right now. I said, we could have church in this place. And I said, well, we could take an offering. I said, is there anything in here that we could take an offering with? And that was the wrong question to ask because there were plenty of things in the room that we could take the offering with, but we wasn't sure that it was sanitized, and so we didn't touch anything. But even in that moment, like just, you know, she, she prayed for my dad, like it was just a neat thing to just, you know, the, we were kind of both kind of down, to be honest with you. Uh, we were depressed watching the Redskins, so it was a, it was a tough moment, uh, but she came in, and, and the Lord used her in our lives. Don't know her name, uh, but she came in and was just singing praise music to Jesus, and we all prayed together, and it was a very sweet thing. So thank you guys so much for um, your prayers, and we know that uh, we can rest in the Lord. Take your Bibles with me, if you would, and turn with me to the book of, book of Luke. Yeah, we'll see how this goes this morning. Luke 11. So thankful for our new members. We had a new members class yesterday, 34 people that went through our class yesterday. Yes, praise the Lord. Absolutely, man. What a celebration. So uh, at the end of all three services, uh, we're bringing our new members forward for you guys to see them and to, and to meet them. And, and I just told them, I mean, I, we, we don't take that lightly at all. We want to celebrate that God has led them here, but they're, they're taking a step. That's a huge step of, of faith, a huge step of commitment uh, that, hey, we just don't want to you know, be attenders. We want to be a part of what God's doing in the life of this church. We want to serve. We want to get connected. And so it's just neat to see uh, the men and women that God is bringing in the doors. Every week we see new families. If you're here for the first time, God bless you. It's just an awesome thing to see uh, God continuing to send people um, our way. Luke chapter 11, if you've been with us for the um, last couple of weeks, for last month, really, I, I preached on this passage, the first couple of verses of the Lord's Prayer. And the subject of prayer, obviously, is, is, is something that the Lord has is, is really laid upon my heart. 
for a number of reasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with, with the things that our family is going through, obviously that's you know, something that the Lord is, is continuing to just burden my heart with of, of just keeping our family in prayer and going before the Lord in his presence. But even as a church, you know, just you know, understanding that we're at a very critical place in the life of our church and, and it's critical that we're seeking the face of God. And so I continue to challenge you as the members of this body to continue to seek the face of God. I believe that God is doing some tremendous things in the life of our church. We're continuing praying about uh, a building and, and praying about the leading in that. I mean, we're seeing, you know, God, you know, work in the details of that. And so we're excited for what the Lord is doing. However, we want to make sure, you know, that whatever we do, that it's in step with where the Lord is leading. We don't want to step onto our own path there. And so I ask you to be praying about that. And so when you look at Luke chapter 11, it's, it's, it's one of these chapters of scripture that honestly, I've seen guys do this too. I've seen pastors spend months in Luke chapter 11. I've seen guys preach a 12-week series just on the Lord's Prayer. And so there's so much here in this one chapter of scripture that obviously in 30 minutes or 40 minutes or I guess sometimes 50 minutes, uh, we're not going to be able to cover I was making a joke about how long I preached there. Okay, so we're not going to be able to cover all that's taking place here. But when it comes to the subject of prayer, who better to turn to than Jesus, right? I mean, so here is Jesus telling his disciples in Luke 11, he gives them a model prayer. And it's one of those things, man, I'll just be honest with you. You know, I've been saved since I was seven years old. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a a family that uh, was centered upon God's word. Very thankful for that. Very blessed in that. But the subject of prayer... It's always been overwhelming to me. And I think for any of us who have walked with the Lord, I mean, it's almost like you open one door, there's 10 more. You know what I'm saying? You, you dig deeper and then you open those 10 doors, there's 100 more. And so as you study God's word and as you grow in this discipline of prayer, it's, it's amazing to see some of the details of what Jesus is teaching here of how it applies to our struggles, how it applies to, uh, I know for me, uh, some of the issues I have when it comes to prayer. Sometimes I have this thing where I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, I don't, this isn't too, Lord, this isn't big enough to bring to you. Have you ever been in that position? Where you're kind of like, okay, Lord, you're running the universe, right? You're sovereign, you're on the throne of of all that's happening. So I, I don't feel worthy enough to bring this to you. Yeah, I don't feel like this is big enough in my life to bring this to you. And so sometimes what happens is this. Sometimes when it comes to our communion with the Father, I mean, the Bible talks about fervent prayer, that constant state of prayer, that constant state of communication, understanding that the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, he lives inside of us. And so we can talk and walk with him every minute, every second of the day. But sometimes we fall into this trap of, Lord, I'll call you when it gets real bad. And we're quick to do that, right? I mean, the moment an emergency happens, the moment a tragedy happens, the moment our lives goes off the rails a little bit, we're quick to go to the feet of God. We're quick to call upon the name of God. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll look upon it as our last resource rather than, or our last resort rather than our first resource. And so when you look at the subject of prayer, who better than to learn from, obviously, than Jesus? I saw this quote by C.S. Lewis this past week. I thought this was so good. This is what he said. He said, the moment we wake up each morning, all of our wishes, all of our hopes, all of our struggles, all of our desires for the day rush at us like wild animals. And the first responsibility we have each morning consists in shoving all of that back, listening to the still small voice of the Lord, talking to that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. What is he speaking of? He is speaking of the struggle in the life of a believer daily. To turn from the flesh and to be filled with the Spirit. 
and to walk in the presence of God in a way that every single detail of our lives is brought before him. And so when you look at what Jesus teaches us here, man, it's profound. And there's so much that we can take into our own lives from this passage of scripture. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning, reverence for reading God's word. Title of the message, Ask, Seek, Knock. We looked at the first four verses a couple weeks ago, and then we went to Acts 9. We looked at, at Saul, the conversion of Saul to Paul, road to Damascus. Last week, we looked at some of the spiritual seasons in Paul's life uh, that, that we can identify with, seasons of, of wilderness and suffering and silence. Uh, but I want to come back to the subject of prayer because I can just tell you it's, it's, it's where we are, uh, it's where my family is, and I believe it's where we are as a church. And so let's just go through and listen to the words of our Savior. Luke chapter 11, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 13. It says this. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He then gives us a parable. Look at the parable beginning in verse 5. He says this, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his, what is that word? Say it with me. Because of his persistence. It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament. So we're going to really pay attention to what this word means in just a moment. We're going to dig into that. But he says, because of his persistence, literal translation, shamelessness. We'll break it down. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And then the entire passage really hinges upon verse 13. Verse 13, he says this, If you then being evil. He doesn't say, if you then acting evil. He says, if you then being evil, he is speaking to the depravity of man. He is speaking to our sinful nature. You being evil knows how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father, now listen to the wording of this, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Join with me as go to Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're humbled in your presence. Lord, we thank you for the great privilege it is to come before you. Lord, your word tells us that in Christ, Lord, we as sinful men and women can be justified, that we can stand before you in all of your holiness and perfection and righteousness covered by the blood of our Savior. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. Lord, your word tells us without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. We thank you for the blood that was shed for our sins. Lord, may we walk in that each day, understanding the great privilege we have as your children who have been born into your family to rest in your presence. Lord, in the chaos of our lives, the struggles of our lives, help us to just simply be still. Lord, to focus our attention 
upon your nature, not just upon your works. Because, Lord, we know that your ways are not always our ways. Lord, we know that your ways are higher than our ways. And so, Lord, help us to not just see your works, to see you, to know you, to understand that you are a God that never changes. You are a God that keeps your promises. So, Lord, may we rest in that. Lord, I pray for each person in this place. Lord, I believe and I recognize that it's not a mistake. It's not by coincidence that they're here. And Lord, many people today walked in the doors of this place with something that they're carrying. So Lord, right now in this hour, help us to set it aside, to lift our eyes, to see you in the details of our lives. Lead us through this passage today, Lord. We pray it and we ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Yeah, I remember years ago hearing this parable and, and kind of being confused by it, to be honest with you. When, you. when you read the parable, it's almost like you have to read it a, a couple of times to really kind of get an idea of what Jesus is, is teaching to his disciples there, what he's teaching to you and I. And when you read this, and even when you come to verse 13, even the wording there, of he gives the Holy Spirit. I mean, you really have to kind of a, walk slowly through this passage to see what Jesus is teaching us. And so I pray this morning, you're encouraged. The subject of prayer, again, is just something that God has burdened my heart with. It's something that I know for me personally uh, that God is, is growing me in. And so I want you to see uh, what Jesus teaches his disciples uh, with this passage. Look at verse 5 and 6. The first thing he tells them is that when we come to the Father, when we seek the presence of God in our lives, that we are to come to him with boldness. Now look at this. Look at verse 5 and 6. He says, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on this journey and I have nothing to set before him. So to truly understand kind of the teaching here, you kind of got to understand, you know, the first century culture, especially Jewish culture. First of all, with food. Food was not something that was just readily available, right? I mean, someone wouldn't just show up at your house at midnight and you go, okay, we don't have any bread, and so let's run to Walmart. Walmart's fun at midnight. I've been there, but they didn't have Walmart. There's an interesting crowd at midnight at Walmart, by the way. Some of you were there last night at midnight. It's an interesting crowd. So they didn't have that opportunity. And so understand when it came to food, what they would basically do is they would have enough bread baked for the day. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, what does Jesus say? Give us this day our daily bread meet our needs today and so that kind of you allowed you kind of see what, what's happening here there were no extra bread there was no store that they could run to and so to understand kind of food in first century culture but also understand hospitality especially in the Jewish culture, right? I mean, it was held in such high regard, almost as a duty, that if a visitor came to your home, you welcomed them, you cared for them regardless of the hour. I mean, it was shame not only against your family, it was shame against your village, it was shame against all of those if you were to not help meet the needs of a friend. So here's the dilemma. Jesus is setting up this parable, right? And someone is traveling, they arrive at a late hour. That's not uncommon, right? You can think about the heat of the day. Many people didn't travel in the middle of the day. They would wait till either the early morning or late evening. And so someone arriving at your house late, well, that's not anything unusual that happened a lot. But the dilemma is this, there's no bread. And so he goes to a friend's house at a late hour seeking to meet the needs of this traveler. So notice the tension that's taking place here. Look at verse 7 now. 
And he will answer from within. Do you see that from within? It's kind of a picture of behind the door kind of deal. From within. Like, hey, you're here looking for bread. My kids are, see- are sleeping. I'm not even going to open the door. It's kind of that's what's being communicated. So from within, to say these words, do not trouble me. My door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend. But yet because of his what? His persistence. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. So it's easy to understand this man's reluctance to open the door, right? How many parents? Raise your hand. How many parents? Raise your hand, okay? How many parents of children under the age of two? Raise your hand. Okay, you parents, you really understand what's happening here, right? You put the baby down, and at that moment, you do everything you can to keep from that baby from waking up. We have a dog that's getting old, and so he's kind of blind, and he's, he's losing his hearing. And so any noise, he just starts barking. Amber and I will literally tackle the dog in the middle of the night <laughs> to keep him from waking up Tristan because we know it's an ordeal. And my mom says, I'm being paid back for what I used to put them through. We've now made the transition where he's in his own bed, so he has freedom at night. That is a scary, scary thought. Can you put padlocks on a door? Is that, is that against the law? It's a scary thought to think he has freedom in that house. And so he has this thing where he likes to get out of bed, and he likes to sneak into the living room and just, and just kind of spy on mom and dad. My mom said, I used to do it all the time. And so you're sitting there, and you, you feel like you, you know, someone's looking at you. You know what I'm talking about? This happened the other night. Someone's looking at me. And I said, Tristan, you better be in that bed. All of a sudden, you hear... And so he takes off running. Mom's not being paid back. So you understand the reluctance here, right? And so understand first century, right? I mean, that's not different rooms. They're all in one room. This is one square room. You're going to come knock on my door at midnight with my kids sleeping for what? For bread? You're telling me no one's dying and you're trying to wake me up? You're telling me there's not an emergency and you're asking me for bread? Go to bed. You'll forget about the bread. Wake up in the morning. Well, you can eat then. You meet the, the, the daily needs that you have there. For bread? So you got to really kind of dig below the surface to see what Jesus is teaching here. Sometimes I feel reluctant to go before the Father because I'm like, man, I don't know that this is worthy to bring before the Father. This is kind of my own struggle, Lord. Maybe I should just work this out on my own. And I think we all have that natural tendency to do that. So what is Jesus doing here? He's not comparing God to a sleepy, selfish, selfish neighbor. That's not what he's doing. But he's using the two to contrast what he's teaching, right? He's telling the disciples that if a neighbor on the basis of friendship and social responsibility can be persuaded to meet the needs of a friend, how much more will our heavenly father who is in heaven meet the needs of his children? It's a wonderful truth. Look at what happens here in verse 8. He says that we are to come with boldness. Listen to this. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend. Yet because of his, this word, persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. How many people have a King James Version Bible in here? Raise your hand. What's the word that's being used there? Importunity. You've ever heard of that word before? Me neither. I had to look it up. Importunity is the opposite of what? Oh, come on, guys. It's not eight. Y'all got to be more awake. Here we go. Importunity is the opposite of what word? Opportunity, right? Opportunity. Favorable circumstances. Opportunity. Well, the opposite of that word is being used here. The actual translation is shamelessness, brashness. The description that Jesus gives is this man who goes to his friend's house in the middle of the night, waking up the entire family for what? To meet the needs of his traveling friend, basically asking for what? Simply asking for bread. 
Do you see what Jesus is teaching to his disciples and to you and I? That God wants to be intimately involved in every single detail of our lives. He desires it. He asks for it. It brings joy to the heart of God when his child calls upon his name and says, I'm seeking you. And I'm not only seeking you, I'm knocking. I'm beating your door down. Your word tells me this, Lord, and so I'm looking for it in my life. Lord, your word tells me this, and so I'm asking for you to respond, and I'm asking for you to fulfill a promise. If you go back and look at some of the Old Testament prayers, do you see some of the brashness of those prayers? Well, they'll say, hey, God, listen to me. Lend me your ear. Hear my voice. You see kind of the wordings of that, even in the Old Testament. That's what Jesus is describing here, a boldness to come into the presence of God. Now you think about this again, 2,000 years ago, especially in this culture, to come into the presence of the king. You didn't come into the presence of the king unless you were summoned by the king. If you came into the presence of the king without being summoned by the king, a lot of times you'd be put to death. And if you did come into the presence of the king, you didn't walk in there with boldness. You didn't walk in there anticipating good things. So you see the contrast that Jesus is using here. When it comes to our King of kings, our Lord of lords, our Heavenly Father, through Christ, what does he say? We can boldly come into the presence of God. Hebrews 4.16, right? What does it say? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of what? I love it. Not the throne of judgment. Not the throne of justice. Not the throne of shame. Not the throne of guilt. So that we can come boldly to the throne of we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Let me ask you a question. Are you bold in your prayers? Do you boldly go before the Lord daily and say, Lord, this is what I got going on. I don't want to miss you in this. But Lord, I also don't want to be over here trying to figure this out in my own flesh. And that's what we do. A lot of times we're like, well, I don't want to bother God with this. I'm going to work on it over here. Let me see what I can do myself. But if you look at the parable of what Jesus is teaching, he's saying that we have a heavenly father that desires for us in the middle of the night to, to lay our, our, our heart's cry before him. That that's the privilege we have in Jesus. That's the promise we have in Christ. We can come to the throne of grace with boldness. Look at this next part, with persistence. Look at verse 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And so we know each of these three actions, it's in the present tense. And so you could basically take the translation and, and, and communicate it this way. It literally says, ask, but keep asking. Seek, but continue to seek. Knock, but keep knocking. And you kind of see the progression here. You see the progression in this persistence, right? Asking is just kind of a simple request. I'm asking this. Well, you go a little bit further. Seeking. Seeking implies a stronger desire, a more definite request. It is something that takes time. It implies a greater sense of urgency. I'm not just simply asking. I'm now moving towards this. I'm now seeking this. And then knocking. Knocking is okay. I'm not leaving this place until I get an answer. I'm going to beat this door down until I hear your voice. So I see your hand. 
And then here's the promise. Verse 10, what does it say? In the framework of God's will, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. I love this. For all of these, there's a present tense response. Ask, receive. Seek, find. Knock, open. He's not saying that our God is a genie in a lamp. That's not what he's saying here. He is saying that when we seek the Lord's face, and we can honestly say, don't forget the first four verses of Luke chapter 11, where we can honestly say, your will be done, your kingdom come, your will above my will. When we can honestly say, Lord, my heart's desire is to be in the center of your will. He says, in the framework of God's will, guess what? It brings joy to the heart of God to meet the needs of his children. That we can come before the throne of grace with persistence. Let me ask you a question. Is there something today that is just so heavy upon your heart that you have been asking, seeking, knocking for a long time? Let me tell you what happens. I'll tell you what happens with me. It's like I get to this place where I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, I'm moving in this progression of persistence, but I'm not seeing you. I have a tendency to say, okay, well, let me try my own way. And quickly the Lord will remind me that his ways are not my ways and they're way above my ways. I saw this commentary on this passage. I thought it was so good. It says this. It says, all three of these principles are imperatives, commands, in which our Heavenly Father not only hears our prayers but promises to answer our prayers according to His will, in His timing, to His honor, to our joy and amazement. By a continued practice of asking, seeking, knocking, we break the habit where prayer is just an option or is for emergency use only. Don't just come to God just with your midnight emergencies, but it's implying an open line of communication that says, Lord, this is where I'm at right now in this moment. Lord, this is where I'm, what I'm dealing with right now in this moment. Lord, this person in the line of the grocery store is driving me crazy right now in this moment. Give me grace. Give me wisdom. Give me patience. I mean, it's being that in tune with the Lord. What can happen with me, I'm going throughout my day, I'm going throughout my day, and, and okay, the big things, right? I'm quick to bring the big things to the Lord. The big things, obviously, my fight, Lord, heal my dead, heal my dead, but sometimes I miss them in the details. Am I seeking him just as much and persistently I am for the small things of what I would consider in my life as I am the big things? Do I give up quickly when I don't get an answer right away? But there's something more that Jesus is teaching here, right? More is being taught here than just a mere repetition of the same request over and over again. Because what happens as we keep on asking, as we keep on seeking, and as we continue knocking, what does the Lord do? The Lord begins to align our heart to his will. And so what happens? You know, when it comes to prayer, prayer is not our will being done in heaven. It's not us trying to twist the arm of God. He is sovereign in all of his foreknowledge and providence. He's in control of all of this. So prayer is really his will being done on earth. It's moving me to a place of seeing him, walking with him, trusting him. What are you praying for today? What is it today that just seems to be the repeated cry of your heart? Are you discouraged? easy to get discouraged because again God's timing isn't always our time what is it today that you're knocking the door of heaven down to get an answer from God 
There may be some of you here today who's given up on that. You've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed. You're not seeing it. Can you still trust the Lord is faithful? I want you to see how Jesus brings this promise back. Look at verse 11 and 12. He gives us this principle of a parent and a child. Look at what he says. Pray with boldness, pray with persistence, but pray with expectation. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? You see the principle that he's using here. You know, if you've got a father who's caring for a child and they're hungry, they want bread, what father would give them a serpent rather than giving them something to make them better, giving them something to, uh, you know, a, a positive thing? Why would a father give them something that could hurt them? And so he says this, you being evil, verse 13, you being evil, not acting evil, you being evil. He's talking to his disciples here. You being sinful. If you as fathers give good gifts to your children as sinful men and women, how much more? How much more? Our heavenly father, who is perfect, sinless, be be willing to give to those who seek his face. As parents, I'll be honest with you, my child has no problem asking me for things. I don't know if that comes with all children. I'm not sure. Uh, A commercial will come on and he'll be like, Dad, I don't have that toy. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have that toy. I'm agreeing with you. I know you're saying something else, like you want that toy, but he has no problem asking for things. And you know, it brings great joy to my heart that if it falls in line, maybe a need or even a want, it brings me great joy to meet that need. But do you ever struggle as parents? Like, am I giving my child too much? Or maybe I'm giving my child too little, you know, trying to find that balance. Okay, Lord, I, walk with me. Say, give me discernment because, again, I want to meet the needs of my kids. But at the same time, I don't want to cross the line where, you know, I'm spoiling my child. And sometimes we wrestle with that. But understand something. Our Heavenly Father knows no such limits. That's what Jesus is saying here. Understand, you as sinful men and women who have a desire to meet the needs of your children, how much more your Heavenly Father has a desire to meet your needs? Look at the end of verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, now listen to this phrase, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Now, when you read that, at first you're like, well, they didn't do a very good job in translation there because they're missing some words, right? But understand what he says. He says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Remember, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the same ones who he said, it is for your benefit that I go away. Mind-boggling. He says to his disciples, it is for your benefit that I physically go away, that you are physically not watching me and walking with me physically. It is better for you for me to go away because then I'm going to send you what? A helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So listen to what Jesus is telling them, what Jesus is telling us. He says, listen, you need comfort. I'm not just going to give you comfort. You need help. I'm not just going to give you help. You need guidance. I'm not just going to give you guidance. I'm going to give you the comforter. I'm going to give you the helper. I'm going to give you the one who guides you into all truth. You want all of these gifts? Let me tell you something. I'm going to give you the giver of these gifts. Think about the truth of what Jesus is sharing there. My presence is going to live inside of you. Not to just walk beside you. To walk in you. And just as it brings you joy to meet the needs of your children, you being evil, you being sinful, how much more does it delight the heart of God? But again, 
in the framework of His will, meets the needs of His children. Jesus says we come to Him with boldness, brashness, shamelessness. We come to Him persistently, Lord, I'm going to continue to seek You. Hear my voice, Lord. Allow Your promise to come true in my life. Lord, I'm expecting You to meet my needs. I'm expecting You because Your Word tells me that You will. 